But let's uh, let's start our college football championship game coverage off right now with our good friend Trevor Maddich, who joins us now, part of uh, the the radio coverage tonight on ESPN. Trev, what's going on, brother? Appreciate you taking the time and joining us. And I know you're slammed, but this is the night tonight, isn't it? Yep, DC. This is it, man. This is the pinnacle. And after after the best pair of semifinals ever in the in the college football playoff. Uh, history. I can't wait to see what's going to happen tonight. All right, Trevor. So we've talked a lot about this leading up to it. Do you think that this game can live up to the two great semifinal games that we witnessed last weekend? Can it happen tonight? Absolutely can. You know, I can see TCU winning this game. I can see him winning a tight one because they've got a matchup advantage in their receivers against Georgia secondary the last two times. We saw Georgia's secondary play against LSU in the SEC championship game and then against Ohio State in the uh, semifinal. They were getting torched. And against LSU, people make an excuse that, well, you know, they were already ahead and it was garbage. No, it wasn't garbage time. The starters in Georgia's secondary were still back there for a lot of those yards just getting absolutely beat. And it happened again against Ohio State. And the thing about TCU is they also have one of the best receivers in the country, maybe the first receiver that will be taken in this draft, in Quentin Johnston, yep. and then they go deep with other receivers that can complement him. And so if Max Duggan, the quarterback for TCU, has time to throw, he will be able to find matchups that favor him. I'm with you, Trev. I, I just, it just seems like uh, TCU still is not getting uh, the respect, uh, not only just from national media and fans, but here at the Sportsbook as well. This line opened at 13. Uh, there were even some 13 and a halfs, and then it got bet down during the course of the week where people say, okay, I see the value here. We'll take it on TCU. But what happened starting late yesterday after the NFL games concluded, uh, more money coming in on Georgia, and now this thing is up to 13, 13 and a half again. And to me, there there is no reason why TCU should be getting this this many points unless all of a sudden Max Duggan and this TCU offense starts to turn the ball over. But T- tell me why, Trevor, that you that that people are still not respecting the Horn Frogs. Well, first I've got to ask you: Do you think Mattress Mac made the bet that uh, moved the line again here recently? <laughs> you know, it's funny you do, say do that. Know, it's funny you say know that. What he bet? It's funny. You know what? I was texting Mac earlier today, and I told him that I was rooting for the Horn Frogs, and he gave me back check mark, check mark, check mark. But I didn't ask him if he bet it and how much. But that that'll be my next text to, uh, text to him. Matter of fact, I'll do it now while you break down this game. <laughs> yeah, that might mean that he just put three million dollars on the Horn Frogs. I'm just guessing that, but. You know, for him, one check mark is worth a million. You know, this is for true. me, it's worth a dollar thirty-five. But that's different. But here's the here's the case for Georgia, though. The case for Georgia, I think, is also compelling. Maybe even more compelling, because both semifinal victories of those teams were flawed. For TCU, it was flawed because they won the game by six points. They played one of the best games of the season. But Michigan absolutely melted down. TCU had two pick sixes on defense, and both of them were great plays by the Horn Frog defender, but they were both horrifically bad throws by the Michigan quarterback. Then they had three goal line stands with Michigan inside the five, where TCU stopped them for a combined three points on those three goal line stands. They finally kicked the field goal on the third one. And part of the reason for that was great play by TCU. I don't want to take anything away from their defense, but it's also because of absolutely horrendous play calling down there 
by the Michigan uh, Offensive Brain Trust. I mean, it was coaching malpractice for them to do some of the things that they did down there. I'm not just talking about the fourth down Philly special double reverse on the two-yard line. I'm talking about they had the ball first and goal at the one-foot line with the best offensive line in college football. They won the award for that. So instead of four quarterback sneaks from a foot away, they decided to do a quick handoff to the fullback who was leaning so far forward in his stance, I thought he was going to fall down. He was about two yards away from the line. And by the time he got out of his stance and balanced up to take the handoff, he was about to hit the line. Well, he didn't get the handoff. It went right through one side of his belly, out the other side, on first down, and TCU recovered in the end zone for a touchback. And by the way, that fullback was a linebacker, a converted linebacker. Right. On first down. That's coaching malpractice by Michigan. It's just outthinking, over, you know, overthinking it. And so I don't think TCU can count on Georgia giving them as many, you know, easy gifts like that. Even though they played well and deserved to beat Michigan, Michigan also deserved to lose it. Georgia, on the other hand, played a tight game and made a bunch of mistakes, but they're correctable mistakes. The biggest mistakes was a series of just getting out of their contained assignments and pass rush lanes so often that C.J. Stroud, the Buckeye quarterback, was able to extend plays and, and make big throws and then also just break out and scramble for big plays, including scrambling them down to get them in position to kick the potential game-winning field goal, which they missed, but it was there because of a scramble because Georgia got out of their pass rush lane. Didn't get blocked out of it mostly. They, they just decided to leave. It was the most reckless disregard for basic assignments that I can ever remember seeing a Georgia defense play with. But those things are correctable, easily correctable. So when you look at Georgia, they played Ohio State and made a bunch of mistakes that are easy to correct uh, and won barely. You look at TCU, they took advantage of a bunch of inexplicable ridiculousness from Michigan to win by six points, and they made the plays to do it but they can't count on Georgia to, to repeat those gifts. And so that's the case for Georgia, I think. All right, Trevor Match uh, joins us beyond the radio call of tonight's championship game between TCU and Georgia. We talk a lot about the offense for both teams, Trevor. The quarterback play, Stenson Bennett, you know, 7th in QBR, Max Duggan, 16th. Uh, we know the TCU offense is fourth in the country, averaging 41 points per game. They've scored over 40 points seven times this season. They averaged 204 yards rushing. And Georgia, on the flip side, averaging 39 points per game, eighth in the country. But the defense is where I want you to break this down. Now, TCU has the 3-3-5 defense. And, and you know a lot about the 3-3-5 because BYU has has played this. But they're one of only a handful of teams that play this type of defense. And we know that, that Georgia and Stetson Bennett has faced this defense a couple times this year. Mississippi State, Kent State come come to mind. But obviously, they don't have the talent that TCU has on the defensive side of the ball. It's not a typical defense. But when we look at what has happened with this TCU defense on a stat that I love looking at, Trevor, all the time, that's third down conversions. They held Michigan to 3 of 13 on third down conversions. Kansas State, 5 for 16. Texas, 1 for 13. Iowa State, 4 for 13. Baylor, 6 for 14. And then if we look at Georgia, all right, against uh, what they did with the football on third down in their last game against Ohio State, they only converted 2 of 10. So this all kind of sounds like, hey, wait a minute, this TCU defense may be able to slow Georgia down a little bit. Do you feel that way? They could. 
They could. One of the reasons that they're so good on third down is because they're so aggressive on first and second down, and they create tackles for loss. They did that to Michigan over and over again, where Michigan actually would be moving the ball once they finally figured out how to do it. But then D. Winters, linebacker for TCU and others, would come blasting through a gap so fast that the offensive line doesn't have time to react to it and they'll make a tackle in the backfield. Now it's third and long. Mm -hmm. And that's the way they're able to do it. Georgia will see that on tape. And the the first thing they need to do from an offensive line standpoint is when they double-team, be ready to come off that double-team much more quickly than they ordinarily would. In other words, what they'll do is they'll double-team a defensive lineman uh, at the point of attack and then come off late for the linebacker. But if the linebacker doesn't wait back there for you to come off on him, if he, he hits it fast, you better be ready to come off that double team fast. Michigan was not too often. And that's one of the reasons that TCU was so successful at forcing third and long, at forcing them into punt situations. So I think Georgia's going to learn from that. Uh, I think TCU also, and this, this is something that I think is uh, underappreciated in some quarters, their corner, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, he won the Jim Thorpe Award as the, the best corner, the best defensive back in college football. And by, by most important metrics, he's the best shutdown, most effective statistical shutdown cover corner in all of college football. And if he is able to, to shut down one receiver for Georgia, then that allows them to be more creative against the rest of the receivers, more creative in how they bracket Georgia's tight end Brock Bowers, more creative in how they attack the line of scrimmage with extra guys from different angles, right? And keep in mind that if there's a weakness on Georgia's team, or certainly if there's a weakness on their offense, it's that the wide receivers haven't been terribly dynamic. Their top receiver, Lad McConkey, is still a little bit hampered. He's got a bum knee, he still plays, but he's not like he, you know, he's not 100%, I don't think. And then A.D. Mitchell, who is a fairly dynamic receiver, who caught the winning touchdown pass against Ohio State, he came back late in the season, very late from injury, and uh, he had a big game against the Buckeyes with some important catches. You know, and so he, he adds dynamism to that Georgia wide receiver room, but still with Hodges Tomlinson able to shut down one guy, it gives TCU's defense uh, more uh, options to be creative. And they will need to be creative because keep this in mind that Michigan was the most physical team that they played this year by far. And Michigan moved the ball. They got a lot of yards. They got a lot of points. But Michigan lost by six, right? Well, in, in making that happen and making the plays they needed to on defense, they expended a lot of energy. And now in back-to-back games, they've got Georgia, who's every bit as physical as Michigan, if not more. So I'm interested to see how the TCU defense holds up in that fourth quarter because they, they rely on speed, movement, and deception. All right. Trevor Madge joins us. Uh, so Fi Stadium tonight, it is Georgia and TCU. TC Martin here, Marco D'Angelo. Trevor, uh, I think the game is going to be decided in the trenches. Michigan had to abandon their game plan. Going into that, everybody said that Big Ten is going to play smash-mouth football and just run over the Big 12 team. But Michigan never got to do their game plan because they fell behind early. I think Georgia, who has the third-best rushing yards per attempt in the country, is going to be able to run the football tonight. They're going to come out and establish the line of scrimmage. And the best defense is your offense staying on the field. Max uh, Duggan can't score if he's watching Georgia on six- or seven-minute drives. That's what I think where the game's going to be. And there's a big difference between game planning for a month, like TCU had 
to do for Michigan and find some spots, weak spots. Now you're turning around in nine days. They're both got that turnaround, but at least Georgia has the advantage of going through this last year. Yeah, and, and you're right about that. And so I think that Georgia will learn something from the Michigan game against TCU, and that is that just lining up and trying to mash TCU, um, it, you might do it, but you might have some problems doing it as well. What Michigan learned too late was that in bringing people up to gum up the running game and the short passing game, TCU left themselves vulnerable deep down the middle, and Michigan started to throw vertically over the top down the middle. And when they did that, they started to move the ball in chunks and score points in chunks. But it was too little too late because of those pick sixes. They had too far to come back. And I would be really surprised if Georgia didn't threaten TCU vertically down the middle early in this game because if they're able to do what Michigan did and complete a bunch of those down there or at least be a threat to complete a bunch of them, it can force TCU to take one of those safeties and take them out of the box and put them back to, to defend against the big play. So to me, that's one of the big keys to the game because Michigan was highly successful at that one thing on offense, and I think Georgia will learn from that. If they don't, then I think TCU's defense will do what they did to Michigan, which is gum up the running game, gum up the short passing attack, and early in the game, Michigan kept on handing it off, and they kept on throwing short to medium where all these defenders were. They'd have nine or ten defenders within, within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and that's where Michigan kept trying to attack until they went over the top down the middle. So I think that's going to be a real key. How long will it take for Georgia to hit a play down the middle? All right, final thing here for you, Trevor, the injury situation, especially with TCU running back uh, Kendra Miller. Uh, he had to exit that game uh, you know, last week um, against Michigan. Then you got Darnell Washington, the tight end for Georgia. What are you hearing as far as the status of those two players and anybody else? You know, I would be surprised if Kendall Miller, the running back for TCU, plays uh, or at least plays effectively. And that's a real problem for TCU because much has been said about Amari DiMarcato as backup having 150 yards against Michigan when uh, Miller went out. The, the problem there is that DiMarcato is a great change of, of pace back, but Michigan, or excuse me, TCU spreads the runs around. I mean, you know, Miller gets the most and then quarterback Max Duggan runs quite a bit. And then DiMarcato will come in and get some runs as well and some catches. If Miller can't go, then you've got to ask whether or monitor whether or not DiMarcato can carry the full load of two running backs for four quarters against the Georgia defense, because I'm not sure who they have behind them. Maybe there's somebody good that can come in and do that. I'd be surprised if they expose Duggan to too many extra runs. I mean, he's got plenty of time to heal up when the game's over, you know, in the offseason to rest. But at the same time, you don't want him to be physically diminished as a passer because he's so beat up when he runs the ball. So if Miller can't go or if he's diminished, can DiMarcato uh, carry the physical load of being the main runner without too much of a change of pace? With Darnell Washington, the tight end for Georgia, that's a huge deal. And the degree to which he might be limited is huge because they line him up all over the place. Inline tight end with his hand in the dirt, H-back in a two-point stance, but near the tackle. They'll line him up at wide receiver. He's got the ball skills of a wide receiver. He's a dangerous threat as a receiver. But at 6'7", 265, he's also a devastating blocker outside on the perimeter on bubble screens and also when he's lined up at tight end. So that gives them all kinds of, of options without changing personnel. 
And to do all those different things, you've got a freshman named Delp, I think it's Oscar Delp, uh, who will probably have to take over that if, if Washington can't go or if he's diminished. And Delp's a good player, but he's a freshman, and it, w- it won't be as good or as diverse or as varied or as reliable as Washington's. So that's another position to watch for as this game starts. Kendra Miller, 1,399 yards, 17 touchdowns for TCU this year, has carried the ball 224 times, and again, very limited in that uh, first game in the semifinal against Michigan, where he only had eight carries, but he had 57 yards, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can go, and if he can't go, um, it could be a little bit of an uphill battle, and then, like Trevor said, more DeMarcado, the backup, and Max Duggan to carry the load there as far as running the football. Trev, we'll let you get back to work. We appreciate you taking the time, brother. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the call tonight. Have a great time, and we'll uh, catch up with you in the next couple days. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. There he is, Trevor Manich, making time for us today. Just, again, one of the best. I mean, the 15-time Emmy Award winner, of course, breaks it all down on ESPN's college football coverage each and every week there at ESPN. And obviously, he joins us uh, at least uh, you know once and twice a week uh, during the course of uh, the entire football season. So, again, on-the-spot coverage from SoFi Stadium there tonight for the national championship game.